How do you half the average duration first time customers check out in your store from the typical 70 seconds to just over 30 seconds? Well, we're going to talk about all that on this episode. You don't want to miss this one. Do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. And Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. And I'm your host, Kunle Campbell. This is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. Before you jump into today's episode, I wanted to sort of give you a primer, kind of like an intro, an intro before the intro, an intro before the show actually starts about this conversation you're about to hear. This conversation is an interview I had with Greg Greiner, who's the head of product at Bolt. Now, if you don't know Bolt, Bolt is an e-commerce checkout solution specific to the e-commerce industry that works on particular platforms such as Magento, BigCommerce, Salesforce, NetSuite, WooCommerce, and any headless e-commerce solution you, you might be running. And essentially, their remit is to speed up the checkout process and ultimately speed up improved conversions. That's what they, they do essentially. And um, with their platform essentially from what Bolt, from, from what um, Greg said, a typical checkout session which takes well over a minute could be condensed to 30 seconds. And I'm talking about guest checkout. And I was talking about like if you know you had a you know logged in user who you know had credit card details already stored on your site you know, typically that would take about 30 seconds to to transact essentially. And he says with Bolt, you can reduce that by half, which is like 15 seconds, which is incredible. Anyway, Bolt also integrates with Apple Pay and, you know, PayPal. And um, I think the great takeaway is even if Bolt does not integrate with your checkout, you know, so if you're running Shopify, Bolt will essentially not work with with you. If you listen to this episode, you'd you'd start to understand checkout performance benchmarks that would ultimately help you 
improve your checkouts regardless of what platform you use. So you don't necessarily need to use Bolt in order to benefit from, from this episode. It's a it's an interesting remit. It's really interesting the fact that you can 10x, you know, um, you know, page load times and also increase, you know, just the checkout flow, you know, generally as compared to like native checkouts. So it's one to listen if you're really concerned about um, if you really want to sort of, you know, look through and improve your your checkouts. Now before you go, um, you're gonna to listen to messages from our sponsors, Clavio and rewind backups um, for Clavio. They're the number one ESP on in the Shopify ecosystem. You know, um, most direct-to-consumer e-commerce businesses run on Clavio. And then for rewind backups, they're the number one backup solution on um, big commerce and Shopify. You you just don't want to not have backups. You know, running on on those platforms, and um, you will get a thirty day trial if you mention two X e commerce when you go to their website. So, um, yeah, the other thing about Rewind is they are at this point in time um, they have put together a very interesting white paper around data loss. So they were they interviewed three hundred or so. Um, e-commerce you know businesses who are customers of theirs and um, they talk about like critical points where you get exposed with data loss in your store and you know you're dealing with transaction with commercial transactions in an e-commerce site you really don't want to essentially lose data you know you don't want to, to lose any kind of data in your store because it's critical you know it means loss in, in revenue you want to just go to the rewind.io website and you know check out the white paper trial rewind and yeah that's it for this one so listen into this episode if you're really interested in checkouts let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. 
the 2x e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business by taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklyn, Non, and Choppies. Build your customer list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-B-I-Y-O dot com slash 2x. Hi guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast show. I say this over and over again. This is the podcast, yes, dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. So if you're looking to increase traffic, conversions, and ultimate sales, tune in to the next 30 to 60, sometimes 90 minutes, um, and you will get a ton of value. And you could have takeaways to <clears throat> implement in your stores or your store um, to, to, to blow things up. Now, we, have I talked about this? I've talked a lot about UX in the past, um, but I haven't talked specifically about this topic, which is the checkout. You know, it's the final frontier in you know, the entire experience. I have actually talked about um, you know, checkouts in, in training sessions, in, in, you know, in, in, in other training sessions, but that's for another story. So essentially, the backstory is that you know, most retailers are focused in engaging shoppers at the top of funnel. And you know, when I mean top of funnel, I mean top of funnel on-site um, and um, you know, off-site. Um, but optimizing marketing and you know, website experiences and building awareness you know, to, to, to brands and products you know, obviously will drive you know, and compel you know, shoppers to buy. But what happens at the bottom of funnel at, at checkouts? You know, um, are you delivering the, the right experience? Now, a lot of people running you know, um, e-commerce stores just leave the box standard you know, checkouts. Whatever you know, checkout setup is there, they just you know, stick with it. Now, my guest on today is the head of products at a um, startup at a, at a company that's re thinking and reimagining checkout, the checkout process. The name of the company is called Bolt. Right? Um, and the goal is to make sure nothing gets in the way when shoppers decide to make a purchase. So essentially, they're trying to reduce friction at checkouts. Okay? And um, essentially, yeah, that, that's it. So what I... What, what I'd like to, 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 to talk about over this, what we're going to be talking about, what you're going to experience you know, over this, um, this, this, this episode really is check out best practices and what you should be doing at the bottom of funnel in, in your checkout. So um, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Greg Bryan to the show. Welcome, Greg. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Fantastic. Um, I probably haven't done um, bolts. Um, as a platform sufficient justice um, in terms of like introduction and yourself. So could you take the next minute or two to introduce yourself and then vote? Sure. Um, I think you did a great job introing it, but uh, I'll, I'll try to add some context and color. Uh, my name is Greg Greiner. 
Um, I lead the product team at Bolt. I've been at the company for, for a little over a year. Um, and I come from a relatively extensive e-commerce background. Um, I started an e-commerce company about 10 years ago called Bob's Watches, um, which really introduced me to a lot of the challenges um, that come with building um, a, a really seamless end-to-end e-commerce experience um, and all the different components that go into it. So um, that's what really got me excited about Bolt is, is Bolt is trying to solve those those problems, not just for an individual retailer in the context of an individual retailer, um, but for retailers at scale. Uh, and, and checkout is a problem um, when you go and talk to, to retailers across e-commerce, uh, something that they don't think about much, right? It's, it's something that they know is challenging. They know it's an issue. They know it's not as good as it could be. Um, but oftentimes they're at loss for, for how to improve it or where they can make investments. Um, and that's really where Bolt comes in. Uh, we uh, take over that kind of responsibility for the retailer. Um, we're co- constantly optimizing the checkout experience for them. Um, and in a lot of ways, we become essentially their checkout optimization team. Um, and we add uh, the ability for them to offer that really seamless experience without having to completely build it themselves. Interesting. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, how long have you, has Walt been, been around for? So the, the product itself publicly launched um, uh, almost about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the company has been around for, for a bit longer than that. Um, it took quite a while to both kind of align on this product market fit. Um, and also once we kind of had discovered the, the problem we wanted to solve, also build the solution. Um, there were actually a couple of years of, of just pure development that went in before we even launched our, our first offering publicly. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so let's let's jump right into to to the checkout process. Um, why why is our checkout or the checkout experience so complicated? For sure. So so checkout really sits at the center of the e-commerce experience. It's it's when the the kind of e-commerce experience transitions from the intent to purchase something to the actual purchase and order, and so you have. Uh, all of the kind of context coming from that that pre-purchase experience, the cart, um, the what what the person has added, everything like that, um, and then you also have all the components that go into that purchase. So things like shipping options, things like tax, uh, things like payments and payment processing, uh, making sure the order is is successfully placed in the ERP and shopping cart platform, and so it just sits at the center of a lot of complexity, um, which means it needs to work perfectly in sync with all of these different systems. And it's also an extremely high risk part of the process, right? If, if checkout breaks, that's really bad. Um, if someone can't m- complete their purchase, um, that's a really, really bad experience. And so there, there's incredible kind of high risk. Um, and then the last piece uh, is, is, is it where it's where you're cu- touching customer data, right? It's, it's the time where you're touching PII, personally identifiable information. It's a time where you're touching credit card information. So regulations like PCI in the US come into play. And so there's also regulatory risk involved, especially as things like privacy uh, laws become more and more important that that retailers have to deal with and figure out how to to optimize around that they're not necessarily set up for or thinking about in other parts of their business. And and what about the the, the payments, you know, payment processing, you know, bits of the checkout? So it's pretty much outside of control of retailers, I would think. 
Yeah, correct. It, it, it is something that, that's a bit outside of their control. They usually have a third party vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that connection between uh, their kind of default checkout experience, as you mentioned in the beginning, that most retailers use and their payment processor is really important, but is it also something that people aren't really thinking about or spending a lot of time on? If you look at other industries outside of e-commerce, especially in high tech, people spend a lot of time optimizing that relationship and connection between actually entering payment details and processing those payment details. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something e-commerce hasn't uh, necessarily spent as much time on at baseline. It's still a very simple experience. You go enter your payment details and send them to the processor and hope that the, the charge goes through. And there's still a lot of opportunity to optimize things like authorization rates and things of that nature in the actual checkout experience itself. Okay. Um, what kind of metrics should we sort of benchmark um, in our checkout? So what, what are you seeing at um, a vault? I, I think the, the most important thing is, is obviously conversion, right? You want to mm-hmm. see for everyone who opens the checkout experience, um, how many of them are completing it. The challenge with that metric, though, is sometimes it can be impacted by other factors, right? So if you change your marketing, if you change what types of like your your mix of customers coming to the site and have more ad-based customers coming to the site, you change the design of your site pre-checkout, that can affect how many people are entering the checkout experience and potentially having more lower intent people enter the checkout experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's why... A-B testing is so important with checkout, right? You don't want to just look at your conversion and see how it's trending. You actually want to see when I make a change to checkout, what, what was the actual impact of that change directly? What is What, what do we, we see from a conversion ex- perspective when we compare apples to apples, the original experience versus the change? So, so that's the most important piece. I think in addition to that, there are what I'll call like proxy metrics that impact conversion. Um, so things like the number of fields people have to enter on average, the amount of time it takes to go through checkout, the amount of time it takes uh, to just load checkout, the number of users that are saving their payment information with your, with your e-commerce store, how many users are uh, reusing save payment information. Those are all things that, although don't directly connect to revenue, are good early indicators of a positive uh, e-commerce and checkout experience. I absolutely agree. Um, there's also the, the dimension of like measuring steps towards checkouts and payment. Yep. So knowing the number of people who potentially added to parts and you know, that transition, what percentage of people who are checked out that yep. are actually converted. Yeah. It's amazing. So it brings it begs a question as to why retailers are not focused on our checkouts. They 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 they'd optimize their product pages, they they they'd look at their search logs, they're doing these big tests, you know, with designs and buttons and the like. But they kind of abandon the checkouts and just leave most of the time, at least from, from what I've seen, and the need, you know, um, the checkout experience as that, you know, standard out of the box experience and, you know, hope and pray that, you know, everything kind of works out at the final frontier. Um, just why is it not a problem you know, they're, they're really focused on at the, at the moment? I think in majority, it comes back to that first question, which is um, the fact that it's really complex to change checkout. Um, And so when you look at the opportunities retailers have to optimize, whether it be their ad campaigns or their product pages or their promotions, 
those things, especially with the existing kind of e-commerce toolkit that most retailers have are a lot easier, right? They're, they're things that feel like much lower hanging fruit. They're things that um, without like a, a strong technical team, you can go and make changes to and, and, and kind of change how your product pages are presented, change your images, change your buttons, things like that. Checkout is is not necessarily like that, right? Because you're you're touching all these different systems, because you're collecting user information, it's much harder to change. Um, and so you'll often see when you're going through, even at large retailers, uh, a distinct difference once you reach checkout in their design and experience. It always it often looks a little bit older, right? It looks like it's a little bit more outdated, um, and that's because it's so hard to change without breaking things um, that retailers and and the kind of engineering and technical teams within retailers often kind of change it last. It's the last thing they update um, if they update it at all. And the other component of that is, is the risk, right? When you're updating product pages and things like that, it's relatively low risk, right? It's, it's something that is simple. It, it doesn't have a lot of complexity baked into it. And so um, you're very unlikely to break it. And if you do break it, it's bad, but I think that there are still opportunities for the shopper to complete their purchase in other ways. If you break checkout, like that, the buck stops at checkout, right? If you break mm-hmm. checkout, the person can't complete the purchase. Um, and so it's, it's a, it's a kind of like a high risk, high reward type scenario that most retailers generally try to avoid. And especially retailers who've tried it in the past and had issues, right? The, the, if you try once and break checkout, you try once to optimize and break checkout, you're probably never going to try it again. Sure. 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 Okay. Um, it's super interesting. So some retailers, um, or some, some retail platforms, e-commerce platforms will, fix will, will not allow you change the checkout experience um, while while others are you know quite flexible with you know what you could do at checkout now yep. um, could you just sort of break down the ecosystem you know on what the ecosystem looks at the moment and what you know if what platforms will allow you really customize your checkout and optimize it and I love what you talked about in, in regards to the um, to to the other micro um, you know conversion points or um, things that impact you know, um, checkout. You talked about um, um, you know the speed, the number of fields, and all of that. If like I wanted to reduce the number of fields on you know some e-commerce platforms, I, I just can't. You know, I mean, it's, yep. it's just you know, box standard. So so let's talk about that ecosystem and let's get into. The, the metrics and micrometrics we could adjust to, to speed up um, checkout process. For sure. So um, within e-commerce and within kind of the the shopping cart software space, right? It's it's a bit of a spectrum, right? You go from kind of the hosted platforms that are very out of the box and kind of customizable to a degree, but not like built from the ground up to be customizable. And then you go all the way up to like the enterprise solutions that um, you actually don't get that much out of the box outside of the kind of basics of e-commerce and you're, they're intended to be built on top of and customized. And on, on the kind of hosted end of the spectrum, you have uh, shopping cart platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce. On the kind of enterprise end of the spectrum, you have shopping or platforms like Salesforce, Commerce Cloud, um, or NetSuite Commerce, or Magento, and, and things like that. I would say that that regardless of platform, um, you usually have the option to kind of build checkout yourself, right? So you can always 
completely replace checkout. And that's what Bolt does in a sense. Um, but that's a huge lift. And that's what usually on these more enterprise-facing platforms, merchants generally have to do, right? They have to go and build their own experience. And the benefits there is you can optimize that checkout experience. You can spend some time thinking about how to reduce fields, how to reduce clicks, how to reduce speed uh, or, or an in- increase speed. But you have to actually do that work, right? And it's not something that is easy. It's something that that can be that can be highly complex. And so a lot of retailers gravitate towards these out of box experiences because they don't necessarily have the the resources to be able to spend a ton of time on checkout. But I think uh, to your second point, there is, there are lots of opportunities even within these these experiences that these easy e-commerce shopping experiences to improve the experience to reduce the fields to speed things up and i think a lot of those opportunities like live around fields so where you have opportunities to reduce fields it's it's a great opportunity to to drive up conversion so thinking of every field in your checkout process is it absolutely necessary for you to complete that purchase and can you make the field optional can you remove it entirely one unique thing that bolt does because we own the checkout experience and fraud prevention for our merchants um, is we completely remove the concept of billing address we don't believe for for our purposes it's necessary to prevent fraud um, and so we completely remove all those fields that you have to enter in addition to your shipping address um, and so there's there's opportunities like that um, from a field perspective. Uh, I think there's also always opportunities on speed, right? You can always try and get your load times down. You can always remove things from the checkout experience like images and assets that are causing the page the, the page load time to increase. You can always reduce the number of steps so there's less redirects and load times. Yeah. Um, and, and those are all things that, that kind of regardless of platform, you have the opportunity to improve upon. And I think as e-commerce is shifting more and more towards mobile, those things become more and more important. Those things get amplified, right? If, yeah. if it takes me two seconds to, to load up a checkout on my desktop with a high-speed wired connection, when I'm out uh, on town on the town kind of uh, shopping on my mobile device, it's going to take me 10 seconds. And on mobile, I might get distracted and and decide not to purchase just because it takes a while to load and completely forget about that purchase. Um, and so that the stakes are a lot higher as e-commerce continues to shift toward towards mobile. That's super interesting. Um, great points on, on fields and speed, you know, for, for reducing fields and, and speed. From what I've picked up, you guys don't work with Shopify or with the Shopify you know, ecosystem. Is, is that right? That's correct. We we do have uh, a couple existing customers that are on Shopify, but we don't uh, currently accept new customers on the platform. And that's largely because uh, Shopify is pretty closed off as it pertains to modifying the checkout experience. It's it's against the the terms of their kind of public app ecosystem. And so although it's possible, um, it's definitely not something Shopify has invested in supporting well. And so it was hard for us to offer like the level of experience we wanted for our customers um, within that kind of more closed ecosystem. What about the likes of Salesforce? So, yeah, so, so we work with, um, we work with Magento, BigCommerce, Salesforce Commerce Cloud, WooCommerce. We are 
working on a, a partnership with NetSuite as well. And a large percentage of our, our customers are also, especially our more enterprise customers, mm -hmm. are also on some form of kind of custom built solution, which we also yeah. support. So like um, and, and yeah, so, so something some more, more of a headless experience that yeah. requires a bit more of a custom integration with Bolt, but it's still a definitely possible and, and not too heavy of a lift. You know, from, from what you're talking about, you guys are primed to actually even evolve to, to a headless kind of solution, you know, because um, the bot you know, ends at um, stops at the uh, checkout, so you, you just need to build um, the platform management system. I'm thinking ahead here, but um, yeah, I digress. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an interesting point. I think... Um, in general, when you look at, at the experience throughout the e-commerce workflow, when you're pre-checkout, what's most important is like flexibility, right? And that's what a lot of e-commerce platforms like Magento, for instance, which is so popular, are built around. It's like, how do we make this as flexible as possible um, so that merchants can build whatever type of experience they want with respect to, to their catalogs and their products and their product pages? When you get to checkout, the experience is what matters most, right? Being highly optimized, fast, easy to use. And so we actually think that the types of like companies and products that are going to excel in those, those two spaces are different, right? And so we uh, are really hyper-focused on that post kind of intent to purchase experience, that experience that kind of should be easy and consistent and seamless, uh, regardless of where you're shopping. Uh, and we don't really have plans to extend before that experience, because we think that um, is something that the shopping cart platforms that exist today do solve really well, right? It's something yeah, where they, they, give, they give retailers a ton of flexibility. Um, mm -hmm. They give retailers a platform to build on top of. And that's not necessarily what Bolt as a product or a company is built to do. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so that, that's our perspective as it pertains to like where, where we see ourselves going longer term. Okay. So on your website and you know, in your marketing material, you... You you claim to be the fastest checkout in the industry. Now, um, what benchmarks are you seeing? Or did you? Because obviously, you said you did a lot of product research and um, you know product development yep. before actually going to go going live. Um, so so what kind of um, you know industry benchmarks did you see, and um, how did you improve it to you know to, to make the claim of being the fastest um, checkout in the industry? Yeah. So. There, there are two pieces to, to kind of that claim. I think mm -hmm. one is looking at the, the common checkout experiences across the web. And, and what we did there is we actually um, created kind of a standard way of going through that checkout process and timed it. So if you keep all things equal, like type speed and the amount of time between clicking between fields and how long it takes you to click a button um, and you factor in how many, like what the load time is on each of those pages and uh, like basically how long it takes to, to go between the fields, how many fields there are. We're two times faster than any other experience, like default experience in e-commerce, right? I think when we timed it, and this is, these are, these are metrics that are based on, I would say a relatively fast checkout and type speed. Um, but most experiences are over a minute long if you are kind of constantly entering information um, and Bolt is around 30 seconds. Um, and for yeah, first time, for first, first time, first time guest checkout experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that is kind of how we got to that number, right? Uh, it's obviously hard to, to know outside of doing something like that, how you stack up. Uh, I think the other piece of that is we also looked at even kind of major brands in the industry and what their overall time 
uh, spent loading the checkout experience was when you go through a checkout, the checkout on a standard internet mm -hmm. connection. Um, so for most experiences, right, they're like two or three pages and each page reloads as you go to the, to the next page. And when you add up all that load time, even on a desktop level internet connection, it's like ends up being 15, 20 seconds of load time. Um, and Bolt loads near instantaneously. Um, so our load time is under three seconds and there is no there are no redirects. It's a progressive web app. So you immediately transition to the next step when you click a button. And so that is another piece that really matters, especially on mobile, like I was mentioning earlier. Um, those seconds can be the difference between someone uh, giving up on a purchase and saying, oh, I'll just do this later and, and never returning or completing that purchase. Um, and so that's been a really big focus for us is, is not just kind of the field and the how seamless the experience is, but how quickly it can load um, and, and how well we're kind of capturing that intent of that user. Interesting. So it's like a, it's a light box on experience when you yep. trigger it with no redirect. So you're not taken to another page, which just pops off. Correct. Yeah, an Correct. Yep. Sense. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. That saves a ton of, um, of um, you know, resources because it's preloaded yep. anyway from the checkout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay, okay, okay. And um, you're mobile first, yep. I think. Okay. Um, so, so how many... So what was the industry standard um, from a form? Um, I, I need to just address the, the, the audience now without asking you a question. Yeah. But um, guys, if, if you just you know, take what Greg has said, um, you need to start measuring page load times um, on, on your checkout pages. Um, you know, they, they, they have about three seconds, but you know, that's something to really check out on um, in, in different scenarios. Um, um, from a cellular, you know, mobile standpoint, and you know what, what it look like in Wi-Fi, you know, run comparisons. Um, yeah, then also um, probably also start benchmarking time to check out, especially um, using you know tools like Hotjar and, and like and so so just get that average and you know, start to benchmark it. Okay. Um, now um, my 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 other question had to do with um, obviously you talked about um, the fact that it takes thirty seconds to load um, as a guest. Um, do you offer um, like um, the user identity layer um, that will you know so recognize um, an email address or a mobile number so people don't have to re-enter um, their and like what Stripe does so don't want to re-enter their, their payment details and their information and their delivery details again um, over and over again when they you know, encounter sites that running goals? For sure. So this is actually something we think is, is incredibly important. So if, if you look at kind of your, your standard e-commerce experience, a lot of time what retailers will do um, is before checkout, they'll put up a login wall, right? And it'll say, hey, like log in or create an account or like go through guest checkout. Um, and we actually have seen that upwards of 30% of, of users can drop off just from that screen, right? They can see that screen and decide, hey, like, I don't want to, they, they maybe miss the guest checkout option or don't understand it. And they're like, I don't really want to create an account with this, this service I'm going to drop. And so I think the most important thing as it pertains to saving information and creating accounts is that you don't make it a blocker to finishing the checkout experience, right? You don't add additional friction to that guest checkout experience to be able to save payment information. And so what Bolt does is uh, at the end of the checkout experience, when we already have, because you entered it for shipping, your email, your phone number, your address, your payment method, um, we ask if you wanna save that information with a simple checkbox, 
right? And so if you would like to save your information to reuse it, you can keep that checkbox checked. And what we do from there is when you click pay and you finish your transaction, um, we actually authorize uh, that on your device. Um, and that payment information and shipping information is saved associated with your device. So if you come back a few days later and want to buy something new, uh, you actually will immediately receive a one-click checkout experience, right? You'll, you'll click on to checkout and, and see all of your payment information saved. If you come back much later or you're on a new device, um, when you enter in your phone number or your email address, we'll identify that you have an account and send you a one-time password over SMS, allow you to authorize and basically complete the purchase from there. And what we see in, in, in this case is, in terms of registration, we see about 60% of users saving their payment information on average, which is, there, there aren't great industry benchmarks on this, um, but from anecdotal evidence, can be up to 10 times higher than kind of the average re- retailer, uh, how, how much registration they're getting. And in addition to that, the adoption is really strong. So uh, for most retailers, when we start, they see like less than 10% of their checkouts going through a logged in one-click experience. And as they roll out Bolt, that scales up. And we have retailers, uh, on average, it's about 20%, but we have retailers upwards of 30 40 50% of their checkouts being a one-click logged in experience. And so we think that's that's the ultimate, right? That's, that's the, the best possible experience for the customer is... Uh, basically, the checkout doesn't exist, right? It's it's something that I decide I'm going to buy something and I click buy and I'm done, right? I don't need to enter any information. You already know me. You already have my information. Um, and so that that experience is something really worth striving for. However, you can't allow that to get in the way of a shopper who doesn't have their information saved and just wants to complete a, a guest checkout. Yeah. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made the first purchase, how do you keep them coming back again? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages, and more. Way, way more. That's why over 30,000 e-commerce brands like Choppies, Brooklyn Inn, and Living Proof use Klaviyo to build a loyal following. Strong customer relationships mean more repeat customers or sales, enthusiastic word of mouth, and less dependent on third-party ads. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. It's free to get started. So visit klaviyo.com 2x to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash 2x. So how many more seconds does it shave as one click checkout shave off the, 30, the standard 30 second um, guest checkout time? Yeah, to check yeah so, so we see um, that it's, it, it, it about halves it again. So, uh, and, and this is just looking at like actual time to check out across the two experiences. Um, and, and essentially that time to check out is just purely um, 
deciding to make the purchase, right? Because you already have all your information saved. You don't need to enter anything. It's literally just clicking one button. And so it definitely shaves off quite a bit. I think in addition to that, we see that logged in users are upwards of a 50% more likely to convert. So um, obviously when I have all my information saved and I don't need to re-enter it, uh, it drives up conversion significantly. Um, and so looking for opportunities as retailers to um, increase the number of kind of logged in checkouts without decreasing your guest checkout conversion is a really big opportunity. And do users feel they're transacting with the e-tailer or um, do they feel they're transacting with the ports? Um, so basically I, I'm trying to draw a parallel between yeah, it, when I check up with PayPal um, versus yeah. um, not a standard to me PayPal. So we're, we're very retailer first, right? So the, the, the customer will see that like, Hey, this is a bolt checkout. It's secured by bolts, but the, the primary branding, the primary experience is with that retailer. And we intend to keep it that way. We don't want customers to think there's, there's a, there's a kind of big third entity that they're having to deal with and transact with. We want their focus to be on their relationship with that e-commerce retailer and not with the PayPal equivalent. And, that, and that's something that kind of differentiates us. We're more focused on the experience of, of wanting to save my information with that retailer than necessarily uh, like a separate wallet that I have to go off to another page and sign into. Um, all of this is within the context of that, that retailer's website, that retailer's experience. And, and then, you know, obviously all the PPI and PCI compliance mm -hmm. requirements are sourced to yourselves. Correct. Correct. Um, and I think, I think another important part there is a lot of e-commerce, especially uh, people on legacy shopping cart platforms have been dealing with big challenges from a fraud perspective of uh, basically uh, credit card skimmers being entered into e-commerce experiences. Um, and we've had a few customers who had to deal with that before adopting Bolt. Uh, and that's something that Bolt completely takes on for the customer, right? Because it's no longer... Uh, kind of your site itself that is accepting credit card details. Um, it's, it's Bolt is taking on that responsibility. You no longer have to worry about that. We're, we're in charge of making sure that doesn't happen for your, your customers, regardless of the platform you're on, right? So even if you're on a very legacy platform like Magento One, um, we ensure that um, that's not an issue for you. And that's actually been a really big selling point for the customers who've experienced it. That's obviously a really, really bad customer experience. It's a really scary thing for retailers. Um, and so for opportunities to, to kind of remove that risk, retailers are, are really excited about that piece. Some experts report that um, you know, having trust sales um, secure, having like a secure, yeah. you know, a secure logo on your checkout yeah. and um, you know, trust sales, a lot of people have notes and a lot of brands have notes in yep. um, securing my cafe at their checkouts. What, what, what are you saying? Do, do they work? Um, is it, are they worth um, the subscription fees? These third party tools? Um, you know? I, I, I think the core premise is right, right? In, in ensuring that your customers both like one, ensuring that your customers have a secure experience and telling mm -hmm. them that that experience is secure yeah. uh, does pay dividends from a conversion standpoint. Whether that be from your own uh, reassurances to the customer or a third party, we haven't necessarily seen a big difference, right? And so I think the most important thing, regardless of whether you choose to use a Norton or a McAfee or you choose to like ensure that security yourself and reassure your customers yourself yeah. is just making sure that that's 
especially when someone's entering sensitive information, especially credit card information, that they feel secure in that experience and that they see that you guys, that, that you as the retailer have really high standards as it pertains to security. That, that's what's most important. And that reassurance can be the difference between, again, someone saying, yeah, like I've never bought something from this retailer before. I'm not sure. And feeling comfortable to enter that information on that retailer. Yeah. On, on the front end, is, is Bolt doing any sort of marketing um, on the consumer end or more or less to, to, to build this security and trust um, from their perspective? So once they see the Bolt logo, they subconsciously are just rest assured that um, the checkout is going to be smooth, fast, and secure. I don't think we've reached that point yet. I think we're still really focused on the on the retailer and the retailer's experience and augmenting that experience. I think over time, we hope that uh, organically and also through a bit of marketing, that when people see that the retailer has the bolt checkout experience, they are just inherently more likely to convert because they know it's going to be easy. They know it's going to be secure. Uh, they know they're potentially going to have their payment information saved. But that's not our focus today. Our focus is, is very squarely on the retailer and doing what's best for the retailer and making the experience within that retailer as seamless as possible. One thing that we are thinking about and, and trying to work through is in the cases where Bolt is becoming more noticeable and, and kind of recognizable from a consumer's perspective, how do we let the consumer know earlier in the experience that this is going to be a Bolt experience, right? Before they actually get to the checkout. Um, and one thing that we're actually testing right now is uh, the concept of uh, an always available checkout button. So as you're browsing the site, instead of having to kind of go through your typical flow of like add to cart, view the cart, check out, um, having, having something that just is, is a floating button in the bottom right that I can always launch into checkout from anywhere. And when you look at experiences like uh, Zendesk or Drift or Intercom that have that like chat experience always available, those have been really powerful, right? They, they've been, especially in e-commerce, really valuable for, for customers and, and building trust and rapport. Um, and we think a similar concept can make sense for checkout. So that's something we're, we're really excited about, both in terms of letting the customer know earlier that it's going to be a bolt seamless experience, um, but also in terms of, of driving up conversion, making it easier for customers to check out. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a really, really good point. Um, I have um, personally experienced um, uplifts by just having like a, like an Apple Pay on product pages. Yep. The, o- the only challenge with, with, with that is um, for more complex products where there's um, you know, selection um, required, yeah. you'd have to sort of re, you know, um, rethink the entire user experience you know, where, where there's a selection and then that button probably just kind of appears. Buy now, but buy now button no doubt will, will increase conversions. Um, we're talking about scale, you know, as in one of the you know keywords I picked up at the start of this conversation scale, scale, scale. You know, you're delivering um, this reimagined checkout experience at scale. Um, at what point from your data does it start to make sense to switch up to say, okay, I'm done with trying to do this myself as a retailer and um, I just need to you know, use a platform like, like Bolt. You know, and what sort of transaction levels and uh, yeah. in terms of like order frequency, no, not just order yep. frequency, number of transactions and also transaction volume does Bolt start to make sense? Yeah, so we, uh, 
focus on retailers doing over $10 million uh, annually online. So mm-hmm. that's kind of our threshold as, as to a minimum um, where it starts making sense. And I think for most retailers, it's, it's, it should be a relatively not simple, but, but uh, relatively easy kind of uh, equation to think through, right? It's, it's how much are you spending on checkout today? How much are you losing because of a suboptimal checkout on the other end? And what's the cost of the platform associated? And in a lot of cases, um, we can make the pitch, especially for larger retailers, almost purely on the cost of maintaining checkout, right? So if we're if we take that completely over for them, those engineers can work on other things or they don't need to hire SIs or, or contractors to work on it. And so that alone with, with the cost of bolt can be ROI positive, let alone the incremental conversion and things like that. And how we like to think about it is checkout is something that if retailers are spending time on, they're all spending time on in silos, right? They're all doing kind of their own thing, optimizing on their own, but it's an experience that's pretty much consistent across every retailer outside of branding and and colors and UX and UI styling and things like that, right? You enter your shipping details, you enter, you select a shipping option, you choose a payment option. And so by using a third party like Bolt, Uh, you're essentially leveraging all of the work we've done for our entire retailer base and you're getting all that benefit. So all of the costs that Bolt is incurring to optimize that experience and make it really seamless um, is amortized across a lot of retailers. And so from a financial economic perspective, it should make sense, of course, at a certain scale for you to not have to to do that on your own. Um, And that's also what I mentioned earlier, what differentiates checkout from the rest of the e-commerce experience, right? The rest of the e-commerce experience is really about the brand. It's really about making sure that um, we're optimizing that experience for what we're selling, who we are as a company. Um, and it's very bespoke to that retailer. But checkout is transactional. It's, it should be simple. It should be consistent. It should be easy. And so it's a bit different from, from that earlier experience. And it's something that we feel uh, makes sense to outsource. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so what kind of, what are your fees like um, from you know, your typical piece of, you know, about um, scale? Yeah, so uh, we have three products. So we have our checkout platform, we have our fraud uh, solution, uh, and we have payments. Uh, our payment processing is kind of your standard fees, which which are a percentage of volume plus plus a, a flat fee. For fraud and checkout, they're, they're of course negotiated because we're dealing with, with larger companies, yeah. um, but it's generally a certain number of basis points of the total transaction volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it depends, fraud in particular, depends on the riskiness. So we take on all the fraud liability when we, when we sign up a customer for our fraud service. So uh, we cover any fraudulent chargebacks that you end up incurring. And so it, it depends on kind of the level of, of risk that that merchant has inherently. So um, unfortunately, we don't have like a great like rack rate that, that we can share, but it's, it's, on the, it's, it's on the order of kind of like basis points in terms of price. And there's a risk assessment in both on Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, let's talk about fraud. Um, what, what special fraud, well, how can retailers, you know, sort of avoid or reduce, you know, fraud? And then we'll talk about, you know, um, features and how you guys solve it. 
Yeah, so I think that the important thing with fraud uh, that that I want to want to impress that that is how Bolt approaches it is as a retailer, you shouldn't be just thinking about how to reduce fraud. You should be also thinking about the cost of reducing that fraud from a consumer experience, right? The easiest way to reduce all fraud is to never accept any orders. So and so you you need to be thinking about not just how do I reduce fraud, but how do I also make sure that I'm not adding a bunch of unnecessary friction because of fraud? And how am I making sure that I'm not um, rejecting good customers who who actually were were valid in making a real purchase and and what I do for fraud is is actually like blocking them. And so I, I think the important pieces there are similar to checkout, making sure you're only capturing the information you actually need to make that fraud decision. And also making sure that you're not uh, trying to avoid as much as possible, like a rules-based approach, right? Because a rules-based approach where I say, hey, anything over this threshold or anything um, that looks like this, uh, the, that has these specific parameters, I'm going to reject or, or send to review. One is really easy to game for the actual fraudsters, right? They're going to be able to figure that out and, and uh, kind of work around those rules. And two is going to block good customers who aren't fraudsters, right? The people who are going to get blocked most by those rules are going to be the people who aren't trying to explicitly defraud you um, and are more just trying to make a purchase. And so I think that those two pieces, I think, are the most important when you're thinking about fraud and really focusing on how do you how do you approve more good orders, right? It's not about how do you reject more bad orders. It's really focused on like, how do we make sure we're approving as many orders as possible? Sounds very manual to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to automate it at scale. At scale yeah. 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 Right. Um, so what, what do you guys do? You know, obviously you've given us the, the approach and everything. Um, well, how do you do it at scale? Yeah. So how we, what makes it built a bit unique is that we believe fundamentally fraud and checkout need to be very interlinked, right? The, the experience in checkout impacts your ability to do fraud. You, your, your kind of fraud protections impact the checkout experience, right? If, if I'm rejecting people, that's a bad checkout experience. Um, and so what we do uniquely is because we own the checkout experience, we have a ton of behavioral signals, right? We have how you're passing through that checkout experience, what your, your type speed is, where you're clicking. Um, and then we have all that data normalized because it's a consistent checkout experience across retailers. And so we uh, leverage a machine learning algorithm that largely focuses on that data. And it still looks at the traditional fraud data, right? The, the AVS response code um, and, and all the information from the payment processing standpoint. But the real focus is on that behavioral data. And that's generally what we use to make the decision. And that's what allows us to, re- to remove things like billing address, right? Because billing address for us um, is more of a rule-based system, right? If I don't remember my billing address or accidentally choose click like same shipping and billing address when it's not, that's not necessarily an indication that I'm a fraudster, right? It's an indication that, that I made a mistake. And fraudsters generally can get access to a billing address relatively easily. Um, and so that's something we feel is, is unnecessary. And because we have all that behavioral data, we can remove. And so our process is person goes through checkout, our fraud model tries to approve as many of those transactions as possible. So it approves roughly 90 to 95% of transactions immediately just based on um, the the machine learning model. Those transactions that aren't approved get sent to a manual review team. So 
uh, it's another pass at trying to improve the order, right? We, we do our, we're, we're, like I mentioned, very focused on improving more orders. If the, that team can't approve the order, a lot of times we'll, we'll send a micro authorization to the customer's credit card. So we'll say, Hey, we've sent uh, some amount between zero and $1 to your credit card type in that exact amount to prove that you own that credit card and you can log into that account and we'll approve your transaction. So that's the third layer of trying to approve the transaction. And then if all of that fails, the retailer still has the final say. So if they go in and say, Hey, actually like I know this customer or I've talked to them on the phone and I, I feel that they're, they're a real person who's trying to purchase something legitimately, they can always approve the transaction. And we're always looking for incremental steps on top of that where we can improve more, right? So our, our focus, like I mentioned earlier, is really like, how do we approve, improve, approve as many transactions as possible? Because our focus as a company is conversion, right? Our focus is checkout. Our focus is that experience. And so our lens on fraud, why we do fraud is because we see fraud as an opportunity to increase conversion. Yeah. Um, what about, how do you manage international transactions? Yeah, so today we're focused on U.S.-based retailers, but we do uh, also, for, for U.S.-based retailers, handle their international transaction volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that is processed in, in a very similar way. Right now, because the volume for us is relatively limited, we don't have like separate models on the fraud side or anything for international. We, we use the same process for both. But as we scale, we're likely going to be working on incremental models specific to certain countries um, because the fraud patterns can be pretty different on a country by country basis. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is when, when you're talking about like um, some of the methods of your authentication, and one of them is like um, sending special codes to bank accounts. There was a European um, regulatory requirement um, which just passed last year, I think. Um, yep. Master Cavaliers came over on our show to talk about it's called Strong Customer Authentication yep. and PSD. What that does is it just sends you a text message um, either to your, your banking app um, to authenticate um, you know, yep. randomly or a text message to your phone. And then it's like a two-factor, two-step you know, sort of authentication. But it doesn't yep. happen all the time, which is yep. you know, convenient. You know, kind of is bearable from a consumer UX yep. standpoint. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that you know, sort of um, um, translates in the, in the US you know, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's super interesting. And I think a lot of times we feel some of those regulations go too far, right? They're mm-hmm. trying to add too much friction to the experience unnecessarily. And so we're looking at how we leverage those systems, which are great in a lot of cases, right? If, if I otherwise really can't approve this order, having a means to give the customer an option to prove their validity is really valuable. Uh, but we also want to make sure that they're not overused. Right. I think a lot of retailers are are potentially thinking about overusing them just because they're so scared of fraud, right? They don't want to risk any fraud. But a lot of times that leads to to customers getting blocked or customers not being able to do it or or hey, I, I don't have access to my banking app right now or I forgot my password. And that can be a, a really challenging experience for the absolutely, end customer. Absolutely, absolutely. There's there's a huge fear um, in yeah. the e-commerce space as to what that would mean before the directives came um, to, to play. And how, I, I don't know whether there was any lobbying involved, but um, what eventually, how it, it eventually evolved was um, not every transaction required yeah. authentication. If it did, conversion rates would have just gone down. Very, very, very. Okay, so you're head of products at um, bought checkouts. 
What does your product roadmap look like you know, going forward? What, what does this feature look like? Um, what, how, do you, how, how do you further be matching um, checkouts at a broad perspective? It's a great question. I, I think there, there are a few different components that we're focused on right now. I, I think first and foremost, we're spending a lot of time uh, on personalization. So, uh, and, and personalization from the aspect of both the, the shopper. So how do we make the checkout experience more cognizant of the shopper, what they're buying um, to make it uh, the, the best experience for them? So thinking about things like when to offer discount codes, what shipping methods to offer at what price, what payment options to show them and things like that, that are really things that are, that are personal choices or, or, or matter at a personal level, thinking about how we leverage a lot of the same learnings we have on the fraud side from a machine learning perspective and bring those into the checkout experience to provide a more targeted experience to that end customer. I think the other side of personalization is personalization for the, the merchant, right? There is no one global checkout experience that will convert best for every merchant, right? Every merchant is different. What they're selling is different. And so we're working on ways to be able to optimize that experience, not just globally, but at the merchant specific level. So having essentially a suite of tests and changes to the checkout experience so we can go to a retailer and test really quickly and determine, hey, what's the best configuration that's going to convert the best for you and drive up conversion, not just at baseline with a really good checkout experience, but at a retailer specific level as well. So what verticals are starting to emerge? Um, are you starting to see that um, require you know, very custom you know, checkout experiences? Um, I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily any specific vertical, but I think some of the factors that matter are things like the like demographic you're servicing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that, that matters. The, the type of products you're selling. So if I'm selling like really expensive things, it's going to be a different checkout experience than if I'm doing fast fashion. And so, so factors like that, I think are, will impact. Um, but our goal is not necessarily to build like a theme per vertical. It's more so to build the infrastructure to be able to determine very easily and quickly for one individual merchant, what's the best checkout experience going to be. Um, because we think, all of those factors can intermix and it's not necessarily going to be cut and dry, which, which configuration is going to be best. Maybe we'll have an opinion on like where to start, right. Based on what, what the retailer is doing, what they're selling, but we don't want that to influence um, what the right experience is for them. Really quick, two additional points in terms of where we're going. I think the second is the post-purchase experience is something we think there's a lot of opportunity in. So tracking shipment, managing orders, it's something that again, a lot of e-commerce retailers, because the account experience is so hard um, and because it's just generally a big challenge to, to build those types of experiences in a seamless way. We think there's a lot of opportunity to help there as well in building a really seamless like end-to-end what we call buying experience. So from checkout to tracking your shipment, potentially even things like returns. So that's a big focus for us moving forward. Um, and then the third, the third piece is really just expanding what we can support as a platform, right? So the third parties we support, things like more and more alternate payment methods that are popping up. Um, And those are things that, or more shipping options or things like that. Those are things that retailers generally have to deal with and build on their own. And they're also things that are really hard for retailers to test and know the actual like impact of. Um, And so we wanna help retailers in that perspective too, to say, hey, when I add this alternate payment method, like uh, maybe an installment offering or PayPal or whatever, what's the actual impact in terms of conversion, in terms of revenue? 
Um, and those are things we can help the retailer do by running a test within the bolt checkout experience to say, hey, half of retailers will see, half of shoppers will see this installments offering, half won't. And let's actually see for the amount you're paying for that, that installments offering, like what am I getting out of it um, in terms of conversion? So that, that's, those are questions we want to help retailers answer over time as well. Yeah, and the future obviously is mobile payments. So I guess most of your focus really is mobile. Um, what what percentage across the board? This is quite a, a, a broad question. Um, are you seeing um, you know people checking out on their mobiles now? Um, right now, uh, it obviously depends on on the the start and the end, right? More people are starting checkout on mobile. I think it's like sixty or seventy percent often in a lot of cases. Uh, but the actual conversions uh, are usually around fifty fifty because conversion is lower on mobile. Uh, the actual transactions, but we're seeing that grow, and we also see that very pre uh, heavily from merchant to merchant. Right. So depending on what you're selling and, and kind of also what your marketing strategy is, the amount of transactions that are happening through mobile differ quite broadly. But we're seeing even on retailers that sell like super expensive watches or like truck parts, mobile is a big deal, right? People are shopping on mobile more and more. Um, it's not just kind of the fast fashions, the millennial type products that are that are leading to mobile-based purchases. Everyone's shopping on mobile. Everyone's moving to mobile, um, and it's so it's, it's something retailers really need to think long and hard about. Like not just checkout, but how their end-to-end -end experience works on mobile, and making sure that it's it's built from for mobile from the bottom up. Incredible, incredible. Greg, I could go on, you know, for the rest of today, on and on and on for us, but um, it's it's been um, you know very insightful having you on. And um, giving us giving us some perspective on what um, you know, checkout should look like and should you know, um, pretty much be, be optimized you know, for. Um, so, so thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate Cheers. it. Um, for people who want to to check out you know um, you know the bolt platform, it's it's b o l t just bolt.com. Um, and um, yeah, you just have, have a look at it. Um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X E-Commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X E-Commerce listeners on our Facebook group, E-Commerce Growth Accelerator Mastermind. Just search for 2X E-Commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.